Hello, welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with uh, my good friend, Dr. Dave Barker. Say hello, Dave. Hello, everyone. It's good to have you listening to what we're going to talk about. And what we're going to talk about today is what everyone's talking about. I don't know when this is being aired, but at this moment that we are recording this, uh, Israel is at war with um, Hamas, the government of uh, Gaza. And uh, it begs a lot of questions uh, that may be reminiscent of our conversation over Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Dave, I was just with a busload of our church folk down in Amish country. And we got a a lot of instruction about how the Amish lived their lives. And one of the five pillars that they live by is pacifism. And they don't go to war. In fact, the reason they don't shave their upper lip, we were told was because back in the day, um, that was a military uh, look, that the military would always have a mustache, and that, mm. that was just uh, synonymous with the military. So they don't shave their upper lip mm. as, a, as a sign. So um, we are, as a church, um, dealing with another global catastrophe, man-made. And I want to talk to you about the response of the church to that. Is it uh, political, for instance, for the church to take sides and to pray uh, for victory in this case? And I wouldn't use the term vengeance. I I Mm. know that Netanyahu is using that term. Mm. Um, But we all know what he means. They want to go in there and um, secure their border. Secure their safety, which means a lot of carnage. Mm. And, you know, how do we pray? Uh, You've done a lot of work in the imprecatory Psalms. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is this a case where we would pray that way against Putin, against uh, Hamas? And should churches give time in their congregational life to dealing with that issue? Or do we just mind our own business? Uh, we're, we're engaged in spiritual warfare. These things don't concern us. Let's keep our eye on the ball. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's complex. And to think that we can resolve this in 10 or 15 minutes is... Uh, we don't resolve anything on thinking about it. It's called thinking about it. We make it, it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's called thinking about it, yes. Um, well, uh, I, first, the first thing that, that comes to mind is, as the church, we have brothers and sisters who are caught up in this conflict. And we have brothers and sisters on both sides. Who are in churches in both sides. And I'm not, I know that there are Arab churches in Israel's borders, I imagine there might be some in Gaza. I, who knows? Maybe there aren't, but there are believers in Gaza, I would think, or certainly. we should assume. Yep, and certainly we have many Palestinian churches and Palestinian believers, and so um, we have to recognize that we are a people that are from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and in the, in the Ukraine-Russian con- uh, conflict, we've got believers on both sides of that uh, battle war, uh, and in this one, and in pretty well any war, we've got believers out. So the the, the flag of the church, if you like, flies higher than any national flag. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do think that we have a right as the church to call for justice, call for. But do we know what that looks like? Because I, you, you, 
unfortunately, you hear arguments, rationales from both sides. Mm -hmm. And someone might say, well, I don't want to take a side. I'll just pray um, vaguely for peace everywhere, but I'm not taking sides. Can we do that? Well, I think we have the right... I think we have the responsibility to affirm the right of a nation to protect its borders. And I think that's the fundamental thing that's going on here. And so I would, in the same way with Ukraine, Mm -hmm. side with Ukraine to say that they have the right to defend. Uh, Israel has the right to defend their borders. It's much more complex than that. I realize that. But at the same time, in terms of what has just recently happened, Mm Um, to for Israel to step in and defend its borders, try to get the hostages back, all that kind of thing, I would affirm that, and I would af- I would affirm that uh, they have the right to do so. But at the same time, I think we need to be really, really careful of taking a political side to something when we, as a church, are supposed to be all political in that sense. Yeah, we have uh, an interest. <clears throat> here at Grandview, in um, the growing Arab population mm-hmm. in KW. In fact, mm-hmm. we are bringing an Arabic-speaking pastor here to begin a work or to continue a work among the Arabic-speaking people. And I suspect that, that they might think differently uh, about this. And mm-hmm. if, if you are in the gathering of a church, you're praying for Israel to prevail you need to be sensitive as to the nuances and how you word that, not to give any sense that in all things Israel is exonerated, um, that there's nothing in the in the last hundred years that would uh, in any way provoke this kind of thing. But it's, it's very delicate. I think there are some churches which just say, let's not bother. Yeah, well, I think that's naive, and I think I... I I think for us not to engage what's happening, like we were pretty quick to step in and speak to the issue of Russia invading Ukraine. I think we were pretty quick to do that. And we uh, gathered relief for that. Yeah. And um, for whatever reason, we weren't afraid to do that. Yet at the same time, we knew full well that we have brothers and sisters in Russia. We have brothers and sisters in Ukraine. And we also knew full well that our brothers and sisters in Russia would see the war differently than, than, our, than our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Um, so I think there was, even back then, and I think for here now, I think there is a sense of some, a country that has been invaded unjustly at the very fundamental and foundational level, and the nation has a right to protect its borders. And there are, there is, there are victims that mm-hmm. need to be spoken up for. And we identify with Israel because it's a Western kind of a, a mm. nation in the Middle East. It's, mm. it's unique, and mm. we have friends, actually. We've been to Israel. You've been mm-hmm. a number of times. So we have an affinity for Israel, whereas the Arab world does seem um, foreign to us. Uh, on Sunday, when we learned this... When did this happen? Saturday night? Mm-hmm. So it was all fresh. Sunday morning, we're still reeling, and we didn't plan this in our service. 
Um, but I have a little bit that we do in the church called Bob's Box, get all the kids to come forward, and we love them up, and we sing, <laughs> send them out. And so, but that, that was, I wasn't preaching, but that was my time. And I, we just agreed that that would be a good, well, there's no good time mm. to put that. But that was a time when we just said, we all know what's happened. We're all thinking about it. Let's just pause uh, one minute uh, for prayer. And I, I just think that in a multicultural congregation, and our city is becoming more and more multicultural, we need to hear more of um, this kind of thing, that the nations are before us. We're mindful of the, um, uh, the welfare of the, of the city that we're to seek and the nations. And I just think it's so easy for us to say, well, let's hunker down and let God be God in those nations far away and uh, not to embroil ourselves in, in political praying and imprecatory prayers. Yeah. I haven't heard one lately, but would this be a time for that kind of a prayer? Well, <clears throat> and just this morning I was interacting with a class uh, on Psalms, and I had them interacting with Psalm 109, uh, and then also interacting with uh, the verses that we leave out of Psalm 139, which is kind of fun, interesting how that happens. Um, and so uh, my comment was, in the same way I would pray Psalm 10 against Putin and and the, and the Russian offensive in Ukraine, not against Russia itself, but against that particular aspect of Putin's power and henchmen and and pushing into what I would consider a, a country that has autonomy, that has the right to defend its borders. I would pray the same prayer against Hamas. I would not pray it against the Palestinians. They're a, that's a very different reality. Maybe even, I certainly wouldn't pray it against the, the population of Gaza. But there is a movement and a power structure rooted in a terrorist organization called Hamas. And so, yeah, I would pray Psalm 10 against that particular aspect of this whole thing. You got, can you just find that? Just a couple of verses of, I, they're not coming to my mind. Maybe oh. I'm guilty of Well, Psalm getting. 9 and 10 are actually one psalm, but Psalm 10 pushes into directions of some pretty uh, volatile language. Yeah, I would encourage you to find it. Um, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes of he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. Um, Arise, Lord, lift up your hand. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile of God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me into account? But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider the grief and take it in your hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You're a a helper of the fatherless. Break the arm. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. Um, You hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You listen to the cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Last word, terror. So it's pretty uh, intense. Mm -hmm. And I certainly have no issue uh, praying this against Mr. Putin and his henchmen. And again, I would limit this to the leaders of the terrorist attack that was so brutal. Now we've got innocent people uh, held in the, in the underground tunnels mm-hmm. of Gaza, and who knows 
what's ever going to happen to them. I can imagine that the families of those people are just beside themselves. I can just imagine that. Um, Dave, I know we're not going to get prophetic here, but you're aware that there are many Christians who would would read into this um, prophecy hmm. that this is uh, a harbinger of Armageddon. Hmm. It might even be the trigger of it. Um, now, I remember years ago when I was your student, and I know that we've all changed <laughs> a little bit and oh. we, grow, we grow, but you said something that I thought was very interesting, and I still believe it, that um, we could be here for another thousand years. Yeah. And what we're seeing right now may not be what you think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you still feel that way? Yeah, the signs of the times are drawing near. Uh, I'm sorry, Doug Oldham. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I get really, really nervous when people start reading the Bible through the newspaper, okay, or through whatever mm-hmm. media we're using these days. Um, I would be really, really careful of trying to read some kind of prophetic prophecy from Scripture. Because stuff like this has happened since the very beginning. Absolutely. Like there have been holocausts and... The Babylonian exile, I mean, Israel gets beat up every hundred years or so. And so, but in every generation, people say, this is it. Surely this is it. Whatever it is. And I I just think it would be good to say that on the air, that um, we're not to be alarmist in the sense that this is a trigger for the end. We're talking about it because it's a humanitarian issue. Mm -hmm. And we're called to... Uh, care for mm-hmm. the widow and the orphan and um, to pray for justice and th- that's what this is just like the ukraine issue is yeah. and i i do believe that israel has a right to the land i think that's rooted in a historical uh reality based in a theological reality going all the way back to the days of moses but so i do think they have a right to the land um, and so, uh, from that perspective, I will stand with Israel in an incursion like this, mm-hmm. um, and, and, uh, stand with them in their right to defend their borders. Um, but I'm, I'm a little less enthusiastic about throwing a lot of, uh, biblical prophecy into all of this because time and time again, it winds up being you know alarmist for and yeah. you know and, and you know i still remember the 88 reasons why christ had to return in 1988 right we still remember oh, that one man i got that book <laughs> and then the next year it came out 80 89 reasons why it had to happen in 89 because they blew it by one year edgar weissenot okay, was his name was i that remember the, that not that i bought it <laughs> came to my office. Oh, yeah, it was free to every pastor in North America. Anyway, that's, so that's yeah. what we want to avoid right now, and mm-hmm. that's why uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, our concern is not that this is prophecy happening necessarily on our watch, but it's business as usual for the Jew uh, who has been harassed down throughout the centuries, mm-hmm. and uh, for that reason, uh, they need our prayers and our sympathy. Well, Dave, that is the top of the hour for us. I want to thank you all for thinking about this with us. Uh, Give us your comments if you think otherwise. We're happy to hear that. Until next week, I'm Bob McGregor with Dave Barker. Thanks for thinking with us.